Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Transformation Radio. Hey guys, this is Philip Parker, the coordinator for the first phase. Um, I'm from Columbus, and I grew up in a town called Upper Arlington. I had a nice childhood. I really didn't have too many problems until I was about 12 when my mom started drinking heavily. And that just kind of changed the way things were in our household and how I was brought up. Things got really bad for a limited period of time. And in 1981, my mom went to treatment and for 21 days, and then she was, she was healed. She didn't drink again since then. But I started drinking just a couple years after that. And when I was 15, I started working at a restaurant down the street. And it was just normal for me to drink, even though I was a teenager in high school. I drank at night and got up in the morning, went to school, and then things got worse. And when I was 21, I was getting DUIs, working at the same place the whole time. It was just a normal part of life. It was accepted that I would get DUIs and drink and work and just make money. And it just went on until probably about five or six years ago. Uh, Something changed. I don't know when. I don't know how. But drinking became its own job. Uh, It wasn't fun anymore. It was... A challenge to just get up and get to life and to be at work and make money and keep the things that I need. I was a slave to my house. I was a slave to alcohol. I couldn't function normally. My ideas and thoughts were not my own anymore. All I could do was try to get through each day. Instead of looking forward to each day, I really looked forward to maybe not getting up or dying. I went through this over and over again until I started going to the church across the street. I thought by going across the street to this church, the church would rub off on me and that somehow the people in it would just you know, be able to help me out and I would get what I wanted. Well, something changed in the church because those people, they accepted me and they took me in as their own and they, they felt me, they understood me, even though they really didn't understand addiction. One day, Bob Holycross, a member of our church, saw me almost fall down in the church choir while I was singing. He came up to me and says, I think I've got a place for you. It's called The Refuge. After that day, that was Sunday, on Tuesday, I went to the orientation. I went to induction in Lancaster in 2013 in May, and ever since then, my life has changed for the better. I've seen things in a whole new way. I've understood a whole new light in life of Jesus Christ. The only following that I need to know and the only faith that I need to know is that I have a God in Christ who loves me and sees me as for what I am. And all I have to do is follow his laws and do what he tells me to do day by day and receive the blessings that he has for me. That's why I love the refuge and I love my brothers because through them Christ lives on. And now it's time for our narrative in the New Testament. And today comes from the book of Luke, chapter 12, verses 35 through 59. Here's a brief overview and commentary on what we'll be narrating today. Jesus repeatedly said that he would leave this world, but would return at some future time. He also said that a kingdom was being prepared for his followers. You know, many Greeks envisioned this as a heavenly, idealized spiritual kingdom. Jews, like Isaiah and John, the writer of Revelation, saw it as a restored earthly kingdom. Christ's return at an unexpected time is not a trap 
a trick by which God hopes to catch us off guard. In fact, God is delaying His return so more people will have the opportunity to follow Him. Now, before Christ's return, we have time to live out our beliefs and to reflect Jesus' love as we relate to others. People who are ready for their Lord's return are, number one, not hypocritical, but sincere. Number two, not fearful, but ready to witness. Number three, not worried, but trusting. Number four, not greedy, but generous. Five, not lazy, but diligent. May your life be more like Christ's, so that when He comes, you'll be ready to greet Him joyfully. Now, Jesus promises a reward for those who have been faithful to the Master. While we sometimes experience immediate and material rewards for our obedience to God, this is not always the case. If so, we'd be tempted to boast about our achievements and only do good for what we get. Jesus said that if we look for rewards now, we will lose them later. Our heavenly rewards will be the most accurate reflection of what we've done on earth, and they will be far greater than we can even imagine. Now, Jesus has told us how to live until He comes. We've got to watch for Him, work diligently, and obey His commands. Such attitudes are especially necessary for leaders. Watchful and faithful leaders will be given increased opportunities and responsibilities. The more resources, talents, and understanding we have, the more we are required to use them effectively. God will not hold us responsible for gifts He has not given us. But hey, all of us have been given enough gifts and duties to uh, keep us busy until Jesus returns. Also read here today about the baptism of suffering. Jesus is referring to uh, the time of His coming crucifixion. He was dreading the physical pain, of course, but even worse would be the spiritual pain of complete separation from God that would accompany His death for the sins of the world. All right, with that, let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. April 8th, the New Testament. Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 59. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning, as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you'll be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night, or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Peter asked, Lord, is that illustration just for us or for everyone? And the Lord replied, A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant thinks, my master won't be back for a while, and he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk? The master will return unannounced and unexpected, 
and he will cut the servant in pieces, and banish him with the unfaithful. And a servant who knows what the master wants, but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions, will be severely punished. But someone who does not know, and then does something wrong, will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. I have come to set the world on fire, and I wish it were already burning. I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me, and I am under a heavy burden until it is accomplished. Do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I have come to divide people against each other. From now on families will be split apart, three in favor of me and two against, or two in favor and three against. Father will be divided against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Then Jesus turned to the crowd and said, When you see clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, Here comes a shower, and you are right. When the south wind blows, you say, Today will be a scorcher, and it is. You fools! You know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present times. Why can't you decide for yourselves what is right? When you are on the way to court with your accuser, try to settle the matter before you get there. Otherwise, your accuser may drag you before the judge, who will hand you over to an officer, who will throw you into prison. And if that happens, you won't be free again until you have paid the very last penny. Psalm 78, verses 56 through 64. Can God be jealous? Well, according to Scripture, yes. Like everything else about God, His jealousy is perfect. Well, in this case, we'll read about here in Psalms today, the offense caused by the ungratefulness and unfaithfulness of His people provoked a just and holy response from God. The shock conveyed in these verses we'll be reading come not from God's jealousy, but from the fact that God, though justified in passing absolute judgment, persistently seasons His responses with grace and patience. He does the same in our lives today. Our God is a patient God, a gentle, loving God. God's jealousy over you represents an honor worthy of your deepest gratitude. Psalm 78, verses 56 through 64. But they kept testing and rebelling against God Most High. They did not obey His laws. They turned back and were as faithless as their parents. They were as undependable as a crooked bow. They angered God by building shrines to other gods. They made Him jealous with their idols. When God heard them, He was very angry and he completely rejected Israel. Then he abandoned his dwelling at Shiloh, the tabernacle where he had lived among the people. He allowed the ark of his might to be captured. He surrendered his glory into enemy hands. He gave his people over to be butchered by the sword, because he was so angry with his own people, his special possession. Their young men were killed by fire. 
Their young women died before singing their wedding songs. Their priests were slaughtered, and their widows could not mourn their deaths. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24. Work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave.
take this cup from me Cause fear has stolen all my sleep If tomorrow means my death Pray you'll save their souls with it Let the songs I sing bring joy to you Let the words I say confess my love Let the notes I choose be a failure too Father, let my heart be after you In this hour of doubt I see Who I am is not just me So give me strength to tie myself So love can live to tell the tale Let the songs I sing bring joy to you Let the words I say bless my love Let the notes I choose be your favorite too Father, let my heart be after you Father, let my heart be for you. Scripture reading begins in verse 9 of Daniel, chapter 1. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king, who has appointed your food and your drink. For why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test your servants for ten days, and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. 
Then, let our appearance be observed in your presence and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food, and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, their appearance seemed better, and they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine they were to drink, and kept giving them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Then, at the end of the days which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and out of them all, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. As for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. Dr. Stanley says that years ago, he made a commitment to obey the Lord regardless of the cost. Like everyone else, he says, He's made mistakes, but his determination to follow Christ has remained unchanged. When difficulties occur, such a pledge helps a person to stand firm. We'll all encounter times when there's a direct conflict between God's way and what is being asked of us. Perhaps the boss tells us to misrepresent the company's product to customers, or a friend may be pressuring us to join her in some risky behavior, or family members may urge us to lie on their behalf. Saying no could bring loss, rejection, or even the end of a relationship. On the other hand, saying yes could compromise our testimony or break God's commands. Daniel faced such a dilemma. He and his three friends had a clear choice, to eat food prohibited by Scripture, or to refuse and incur the king's wrath, imprisonment, or even death. Daniel showed great courage when he proposed a different eating plan. His words and actions demonstrated his allegiance to the Lord. Daniel and his friends were rewarded by God for their faith and commitment. Despite their adverse circumstances, all four men confidently trusted in the Lord's sovereign care for them. Daniel's choice resulted in royal favor. Jesus' obedience led to the cross and glorification. Paul's trust in Christ resulted in hardship. When Christians obey... The consequences may vary, but two things are always the same. Obedience glorifies our Heavenly Father and pleases Him. What could be better than that?
was at All that I know is my heart was broken I don't ever want to go back Ain't no explanation But how I saw the light He found me and he set me free And he brought me back to life Blame it on the transformation Change down to the Easter Sunday. Hi, my name is John Maxwell. Welcome to Minute with Maxwell. Easter Sunday, I think, is all about hope. In the Christian faith context, when Christ arose, it gave hope to all of his followers that their faith was not dead, that it had potential, that they could also, through him, overcome death. But hope is a wonderful word, whether you're a person of faith or not. Hope means that there's a brighter tomorrow. Napoleon one time said leaders are dealers in hope. I believe that. In fact, I've often kind of amusingly said I'm a hope dealer. Well, I want to be able to give hope to people, and I do it as well as I can. But the greatest hope dealer, obviously, in my context is Christ. Because when he resurrected on Easter Sunday, he gave hope to all of us. And that's a beautiful thing.
that does it for today's podcast. Thanks for listening and make sure to tune in tomorrow for the next edition of Transformation Radio.